The creator's got a saw and he's taking it where the wind blows. I'm Van Connor. And I'm Adam Ball and this is Off Screen, your seven-day guide to everything movies. Boom. Groovy. Well, here we are then. Welcome back to another show. Uh, so we've got three big movies to talk about this week. We'll uh, we'll attack Saw X, Saw Ten, then essentially that is right. Yeah, I think I think I think we're going with it's it's the Fast X, Fast Ten of it all, isn't it? What do you call yeah. it? I mean, they they seem to annoyingly call it Fast Ten. I'm like, no, it's Fast X, man. I think it was Tyrese <laughs> said it's Fast X. So I'm going with Saw X. Let's just call it Saw X. Or we could just call it Sex. Um, yeah, we'll talk about yeah. we'll oh. talk about sex in a minute. Well, socks. Uh, it's socks. Because <laughs> Britain socks. socks. That's socks. true. Um, and also where the wind blows. But um, let's start with the creator. I have heard some really good things about this, and I'm hoping you're going to back them up. Well, I am. I am, and I'm going to make you very happy because yeah, I'm 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 not I'm not going to play coy on this one. I bloody love this film. It's so good. Right. Good. So, uh, new movie from uh, director Gareth Edwards who, you know, brought us Monsters in 2010 uh, that he did the visual effects for in his bedroom. You know, he's a real masterful low-budget creature feature. Um, Then moved on to Godzilla in 2014. From that, gets the job directing the first ever Star Wars spin-off movie. He directs Rogue One, which is, you know, one of the best of the Star Wars flicks. Um, Then goes on and... And and now we've... I say, now we've got him uh, returning to something kind of similar, in in a sense, to Monsters, like his debut film. feels almost like a loop back but with a sort of James Cameron homage running through it so it's set I think it's 70 it's set in 2070 I think thereabouts and it's after this we get this whole future history in which America like the rest of the countries around the world starts looking into AI and AI starts to become a part of you know society and in the US this leads to violence this leads to um, an actual nuke being detonated in Los Angeles by an AI so America outlaws artificial intelligence however other countries around the world don't follow suit and this leads to a global war by America against artificial intelligence, hunting down cyborgs effectively. So it's it's a full bl- and you can pick, there's a lot of Vietnam allegor- allegorizing going on through this incident as you probably tell um this then takes us to our present day after you know in this in this world and we follow uh, john david washington's character who initially is a sort of undercover agent for the u.s going undercover with artificial intelligence cults and uh, but has lost his his pregnant wife in a previous uh, mission he gets a, sh- a shot at redemption by going on a mission to hunt down a weapon the artificial intelligence nations uh, supposedly have put together. And said weapon happens to be a small android boy. I've got a clip for you. This is the pair on the run from various forces. And this is John David Washington's character of Joshua trying trying to take the boy for his safety. Uh, sorry, take, take the boy, take the girl for her sake. Come on. Come on, little Sam, get in the car. Hey. It'll be fun. Like cartoons, it'll be, be fun, okay? It's like a game. Hide and seek. I'll drive fast. Oh, all right, let's go. It'll be fun. Ah, right? Come on. This is hella fun. This is, why don't you want to get in the car? It's a lot of fun. Get in the damn car. So, is this kind of... I robot but modernized. 
Right, it, there's a little bit of iRobot to it. Now, this is, in many ways, this is sort of the, the thing about it. This is where I think this is the sticking point for a lot of people uh, on this movie. There's a lot of referencing to other films. There's a lot of, I think a friend of mine uh, who I took along to the premiere last night, he referred to it as, as you know, it's all the classic jazz riffs just repeated. It's like a cover band. I'm like, yes, it is, but it's a bloody good one. It really is. And there's a lot of calling back to, say you say things like iRobot. I will say Chappie, for instance, with Neil Blomkamp. There's a bit of that. There's a bit of District 9. There's a bit of Monsters. There's a lot of James Cameron. There's a lot of Cameroning going on in there. And you know me and Cameron. I I, I love me some 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 James Cameron. Sorry, knocking the camera there. I, I, I love me some James Cameron. So when you've got a movie that somehow only costs 80 million as well, like this thing, and you can this is where it goes back to Gareth Edwards on Monsters and, and the, 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 the level of VFX he managed to, to ring out of no money on Monsters. And you see it here with this $80 million movie that is absolutely staggeringly huge. It looks amazing. We saw this in IMAX. I, I cannot recommend highly enough. Go go and seek this out in IMAX because you want that massive screen just to drink in how absolutely stunning this is. Um, other reference points. Think of things like Oblivion with Tom Cruise, the Joe Kaczynski movie. Uh, there's, there's there to go. There's, there's a lot of post-apocalyptic stuff in there. You could think of the, uh, the Viggo Mortensen adaptation of The Road, for instance, as well. It's a really, really good movie. Great performance in the lead from uh, John David Washington, who you can hear in the clip. He just brings that charisma, and this is him on his most his dad form as well. He's really going for the, the, the younger Denzel vibe here. I don't know if you could hear it in the in the voice there when he's trying to coax the kid into the car. One thing I would like to know is, what? with it being such a low-budget movie, I, I say low-budget, 80 million's not low, is it? But, I mean, in comparison to, to you know, what it's going to get back at the box office if it's, if it's good. How, mm. how has he made it? seems so good and look so big is it a lot of cgi or is it just very clever camera work right there is a lot of cgi to it obviously because some of the visuals are extreme you're talking about a world that's you know got androids walking around like believably yeah. got you know robots walking around like serving as police officers and i mean this thing literally goes to space you know and this all is presented with very cool you know, not too showy visual effects. The idea here is to make things seem ordinary. It's got that wonderful Blade Runner idea running through it of, yes, this is objectively a very cool futuristic city, but it's also 20, 30 years old and all the scratch marks are there. Kind of a thing. It's got the scuffs around the edges. The attention to detail is there, but not in a way that makes it so showy. It's also got very clever use of location shooting. Apparently, I think this was this was shot on a relatively efficient amount of time, like quite a brief amount of time. Um, but there's a lot of great great use of location shooting, and then augmented with visual effects. And I say the results are absolutely extraordinary. Uh, also, Ken Watanabe is in this movie, and Ken Watanabe absolutely steals it in every every line of dialogue from his his wonderful wonderful mouth i love ken watanabe i'll watch him in anything and he owns this completely i, I just thought this was a really really good movie like i say it's a bit derivative you know there, there are those homages there are those bits there but you know you, this is a movie that i think should be looked at on the level of something like highlander in terms of its sort of impact and the sort of audience is going to resonate with something like Highlander. Joss Whedon's Serenity would be a good one. Snowpiercer, Bong Joon-ho's Snowpiercer, fans of that. Um, people who are apologists for Elysium with Matt Damon, I think they'll be uh, in for a treat with this one because I, I, li I literally had that conversation on the way out the screen. Like, it's like a better version of Elysium. I'm like, yeah, good <laughs> to be fair. 
See, well, you know me. I'm, I am a sucker for a decent sci-fi movie. The one thing that annoys me yeah. with sci-fi movies sometimes is when they are too far-fetched. This one sounds more like something that actually could happen, which to me draws me in more. Yeah, in terms of like, yeah, I'd say you'd, I think you'd really enjoy this. It is that way of making everything as grounded, but it is like a classic, you know, almost Heart of Darkness like story. It's almost, yeah. you could almost call this Apocalypse Now with AI, but presented in the prism of effectively a James Cameron movie, all under the, under, under the, you know, directorial auspices of someone who very clearly has still an incredible career ahead of them, because I still can't believe, you know, the man only has like, you know, say four or five films to his name and he's operating wow. at this level like i can see i can envision a world 10 15 years from now in which gareth edwards is seen as how we see james cameron now he will do if, if this is and this isn't even like he's among his best movies because rogue one is hard to top but this is someone who really knows what they're doing and if he's still only starting out god damn we are in for a ride how long ago was it since his last movie? Because it sounds to me like he spends some real time thinking and planning these through, which is probably part of why they're so good, maybe? Yeah, he's, I say he's quite a specific... Uh, he, he is quite a specific helmer, as you, as you say. He seems to very much know what he's, what he's shooting for. Um, I think this is actually... If I'm not mistaken, I think it's his first movie, actually, since Rogue One. Because Rogue One was... Wow. Rogue One was 2016. Yeah, quite a bit before you, COVID. You know, was, that was, yeah, it was a long time before COVID. I mean, it's such a great movie. Though. I mean, I watch it about once every six months. It's just my perfect Star Wars movie. It's a great, and also you get, you get Ken jo, not Ken, you, you, I mean, you get uh, Donnie Yen. I'm saying Ken Jo, why am I saying Ken Jo? You get uh, Donnie Yen. As a as a blind as, as a blind monk in a Star Wars movie, that's hard to be, and it's very much a, a Gareth Edwards cameo. Incidentally, Gareth Edwards turns up in, in a little cameo in the Last Jedi. He's you know on the the, the the planet with the red sand, the salt, the red yeah. salt that comes. Yeah. yeah, he's one of the soldiers in the the, the trench in in there. That's Gareth Edwards. Yeah, I didn't know that. Wow, uh, every uh, day's a school day. But uh, yeah, yeah, this this sounds right up my street. Yeah, I love this, and I have actually. I think you're aware. I do have plans mm. to go and see this. Um, you do, yes. You, you, you and yeah. Johnny, boy. Hi, Johnny. Yeah, you and Johnny are going to go and uh, going to go and see it. Yeah, you absolutely. You're going to love this. Oh, I promise good. you are going. No. You're going to have a hell of a time. Go, just go in, and you'll get like a. I'll put it this way. I think this beat the hell out of both Avatar movies for me. Wow. Like, okay. Well, this, I've only seen the first one, better, but I loved yeah, it. This is a better Cameron movie than either of the last two Avatars. Just, just, just all I'm saying. Well, uh, I'm quite excited to see it, um, and it sounds like you know you had a whale of a time. So, if you want to see the creator, it is out in cinemas from today, so you can go and see it yourself. Uh, right? How many different ways can you kill someone? We're about <laughs> to find out when we talk about Saw X in just a second. So, we'll see what Van thought. Stay there. Hello and welcome back to the show then. Right, we've got where the blind wind, I can't even say it. Where, where the, the blind. wind, where the blind blows, where, uh, the, where blind. the wind blows to talk about in a moment. Uh, but right now, um, I'm really looking forward to hearing what you think of this. Saw X, essentially the 10th in the series. I, in my personal opinion, before you start, Saw 1, Whoa. brilliant, absolutely loved it. Of course, everyone did because it was a new concept. Two and three, yeah, okay. Four, I started to tail and then I didn't watch anymore. 
Right. Um, I am, unsurprisingly to you, I'm sure I'm a huge, huge fan of the Saw series. I, I really, I'm a big fan of them. Uh, I didn't like the uh, sort of reboot call they did last time, which was uh, Spiral, the Chris Rock one. Wasn't a fan of that. Didn't like that. But uh, the one previous to that, Jigsaw, which was a sort of a legacy sequel uh, to, to the Saw series, I absolutely loved. And I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan of the whole series. They, For me, they sit on that same level of enjoyment that I, I, and love that I have for, uh, for the Final Destination franchise. You know, it's, it's a cheap and cheerful throwaway horror thing. It comes out every couple of years, and you, you have a gory good time with it. You know, it's a, just a fun night at the pictures if you happen to be a sadist. You know, which I very much am. <laughs> I, I like watching I like watching people have to squirm their way out of, like, really grisly, nasty traps for my amusement. That's, 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 that's the thing, you know. Anyway, so, uh, the notorious killer, not really a killer, though, he's, he, you know, psychopathic mastermind Jigsaw is back. Now, it's worth noting that, obviously, he died in, I think it was the third Saw movie. So this I was about to say film. that. He, he, it's always been about his legacy. It's always been about people, like his, his disciples, carry on, carrying on, you know, after his death. This is now a prequel that takes place, I think, after the events of the first movie. So Jigsaw is active, you know, he abducts people, he puts them through these torture traps that are meant to teach them a lesson, you know, over, overcome their bad behavior, things like that. And he's already established that, he's already into it. And we literally see the embryo, him, you know, embryo stage of like the design process uh, here and there throughout this for things that will come up down the, down the way in the series, like this trap here and this trap there. They, oh, that's, that's that trap from the fifth one. And, you know, there's little bits like that. Um, but this deals with John Kramer, a.k.a. Jigsaw, um, dealing with his diagnose, his cancer diagnosis, seeking, seeking treatments that are going nowhere until he finds this miraculous wonder treatment that's, you know, it's, it's got to be off the books because the, the American Medical Association don't approve the, the revolutionary drug cocktail, things like that. He discovers this in, a, in an exclusive clinic in Mexico, which... Yeah, that, that just kind of sounds like the setup for something dodgy. I'll just go to this clinic in Mexico. That's, uh, yeah, that's clearly going to be above board. Um, he goes to this dodgy clinic in Mexico for this experimental cancer treatment, for this brain cancer that's going to kill him, and discovers that he has been fleeced, that he's been rinsed, that it was all a sham, a big elaborate show, and that all the, they've done all of this just to get their hands on what's left of his money. So, of course, you know, you can only push any man so far imagine what happens when the man you push is jigsaw i've got a clip for you here's the latest of one of jigsaw's traps this by the way is him inflicting punishment on a hospital worker that he's caught stealing patients belongings i'd like to play a game perhaps one that addresses those sticky fingers of yours I've had my eyes on you, and I do not like what I see. Your job as a custodian is a noble one, sanitizing and sterilizing the hospital, helping patients avoid sickness. But there is a sickness inside you that needs to be excised. You have the ability to not only save your soul today, but your sight. All you have to do is click the dial across the five positions and you will live to see another day. You have 60 seconds. 
See, this is what the Saw movies do best, I think, yeah. is it tears you in half because at one point you're thinking, yeah, you shouldn't thieve. Yeah, you should have some punishment. And then 30 seconds later, you're going, ah, but you're pulling his fingernails off. That's a little bit yeah. too far. It is, it is. And to be, don't get me wrong, I'm I am on record with the Saw series as saying that this had actually gotten to such a stage of ridiculousness that he was just going to start inflicting out punishments to people who cut in front of the line at Starbucks. You know that he was he was getting it was getting really extreme. Yeah. Um, but you know that's part of the fun of the Saw series. Look, there's ten of these. You know what you're getting. It's the second movie this year that's made it to a tenth in the franchise that I'm going to go for bat for and say, look, you know what you're getting, and they're a good time. Like, let's enjoy it. And, and it is very much one of those. I sat and watched this with uh, Ed Potton. Ed Potton from The Times. And uh, we we were, we just had an absolute war. He and I just, in in, in full, oh, ee, ah, you know, mode all the way through this. We weren't the only ones. This is sadistic, well-made, well-choreographed, just, you know, playing the hits, having a good time, fun. And it's, you know, it, I mean, no one does it like the Saw series. They are their own unique thing. This is, this is, I would argue this is one of the better ones, actually. I mean, in terms of its actual plot, its self-contained story is actually unusually gripping for this franchise, actually. Because normally I don't really care about the story. I'm there because I enjoy this gimmick of let's just take people and put them in these horrific traps. I normally don't give two figs about the, uh, about the actual story. Here I actually did care about the story about, you know, him getting his revenge and, and and the sort of sympathetic character that they kind of make out of him for it because you feel so justified in what he does to these people because, you know, they're exploiting the dying. You know, it's, it's a hard it's hard not to get on board with that point. But I, I just had I, I had a really great time. So I think it's uh, Kevin uh, Grutar um, directed this one who directed, I think it was Saw 6, I think he did. Uh, he, I know he'd done some. He'd done one of them in the franchise before, um, but but you know, not really a big director. But does have history with the Saw franchise, so he knows, you know, the house style and the tone and when to kick the music in. And it, it's 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 say it's nothing new, but it's a pretty good one for this series. I really liked it. Uh, there's a couple of twists and turns you can see coming a mile away. But then again, you know, we've watched ten of these, so we kind of know. You know, if you don't get it after the previous nine, the tenth is not going to shock you that much. Um, yeah, I, I, I thought this was really good. Just a nasty, uh, you know, a nasty, grisly good time. And that's what I want from a Saw movie. I absolutely love this series. I think you kind of answered my next question already. But what I was going to say is, does it have the usual trademark of you get so far through the movie and go, oh, I didn't see that coming. But by the sounds of it, you did. I mean, yeah, well, no, we did. I mean, there, there was a point when I, I did turn to edible point. Hang on, oh, that's weird. Why is, and um, you know, asked a question, and, and then obviously 10 minutes later, it became a plot point. It became a twist plot point. I'm like, right. uh, uh, okay. Which, which, you know, I don't object. So, you know, I watch a lot of movies. It's fine. Sometimes I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to second, I'm going to second guess everything. But uh, yeah, the other thing I'll say about this. So, so talking about the, the story being more gripping, it's worth noting the average Saw movie is about 90 minutes. Right. Yeah. Um, I think, according to Kermode, actually, because we went for coffee before this. First pumpkin spice of the season, baby. By the way, I, I oh, love no! me. A, yeah, I love me. A, I you call me a basic bitch all you like. I love me a PSL, sir. Hashtag PSL <laughs> for life. I am. It's I am September. PSL, bro. But uh, yeah. Anyway, 
I think he was telling me that um, the first saw was 86 minutes. And I'm like, okay. So this is, I think it's an hour 58. So it's a good half hour longer than that, like the first wow. one. But yeah. it's worth noting that you don't really get to the general Saw movie until an hour into this. The first half of it is the, his story and going for the treatment, etc. I think the second half hour then is sort of him plotting his revenge. And then you get a Saw movie that lasts another hour. And it's, do you know what? That feels the best way to have done it. It is really gripping. Do you think that is aimed that and done that way because it's aimed at people that may not have seen the previous nine and they want to do it as a self-contained movie? It's funny you say that because it really does work as a self-contained movie. If you've never seen a Saw movie and this is going to be your first one, it's a good one to do, actually. It is relatively self-contained. Other than who Amanda is, you know, because she's obviously she's set up in the very first movie. Other than, and it's pretty easy to get that oh, that's just the apprentice that's fine there is it's one of those movies that works as well for fans as non-fans as far as that continuity goes i mean it's a weirdly funny movie as well i have to say like i the the, the whole room we kind of we were kind of in on the soldier and the whole room we were just alive with laughter at times during this because there's just you know a little wry in joke here and there that really hit but they're objective they're objectively broad enough that they work without the fandom to be honest Oh, no, that's really good to hear, actually, because I, mm. I hate it when movies like this end up coming out, but you've got to have watched the previous 64 to understand this <laughs> one, and then you're like, oh, Looking at no. you, Fast Series. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying nothing, but yes. Um, great. Okay, wait, well, who's, least, um... wait, who's Dominic's brother in this one? Yeah, I, I get you there. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So I, I like the premise of this, being able to yeah. watch it on its own. Um, and if you want to watch it on its own, or you want to watch the previous nine beforehand, you better hurry, because this is out in cinemas from today. Saw X. Uh, right, one final ride. We're going to talk about where the wind blows in just a minute, so stay right where you are. Hello and welcome back to Off Screen. then. One last ride. Uh, we're going to look at where the wind blows. Now, this is subtitled. It's, it's based in... It, did you say it's based in China? Uh, Hong Kong, specifically. Right, okay. So... Mm. Where the Wind Blows, the title doesn't really give much away. No, it, it, it doesn't. It's a very abstract uh, uh, title. It's worth noting that when I typed this into IMDb just now to get the name of an actor, I think it came up with a completely different title as well. So it's obviously gone through iterations. Um, apparently, the Chinese government tried to ban this a couple of years ago. They, they really tried oh. to stop it from... They didn't like the uh, the depictions it had of law enforcement. And everything. They, they apparently tried to uh, get it put aside after its premiere i think in 2021 i think they they, they the government tried to uh, to intervene in its release it's not like you know offensively anti-propaganda i thought like but it's just you know it's kind of like a departed type movie think if you, if you know scorsese's the departed which itself yeah. is a remake of infernal affairs um yeah very much like that kind of a crime drama thriller okay so well, that sounds good and, and it's about cops who you know basically wind up taking over the underworld so we've, we've not got a clip for this one, obviously, because it's ent entirely subtitled. But it's very much, uh, like I say, a Departed-style movie, but it's a period piece at the same time. So it takes place over 50 years. Uh, goes back to, uh, I think, immediately post-war 
China just immediately post-war, like black and white mode. Uh, it's also got, I think they go to the 70s. Uh, we, we, the last chunk of it is set in the 70s. Um, and it's, it goes all the way up. And he's about these, just about these two cops through the years. And do you know, I'll be really honest with you, I, I loved it. I had a great time with this. I was really sucking in. It's directed by Philip Young, who did uh, Port of Call. Did Port of Call. And I will say, and I know you're not someone who really ever tends to get sold on subtitled movies, but I know you love The Departed. You've got to love The Departed. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Absolutely. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Watch this. I think you'd really like this. Like, you will be gripped by this. Really well shot. Performances are great. Uh, I, I, I love the, the design of it, the aesthetic of it, the visuals. It really works. It sounds a little bit like a modernised lethal weapon, but in China. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> lethal weapon's a bit breeze, more breezy and fun, I think, <laughs> than this one. This is, I say, very much a, a, a more laboured, like, you know, it's, it's conspiratorial. Like, every room is, you know, drowning in rich cigarette smoke, whilst men have hushed conversations in their native tongue. Hangdog expression, you know, like that. It's very much one of those movies. Um, yeah, I say, you'd really like it, though. I mean, I know your I know your movie allocation is full this week. What we're going to see the creator and everything with Johnny, but uh, yeah, if you, if you want something to watch at home and you don't, in fact, given the length of it, it's a perfect uh, Sunday movie. It's a perfect Sunday afternoon okay. for you. you. Want something different and gripping on your Sunday afternoon? I think this might be available on digital as well. But uh, yeah, it's say it's called Where the Wind Blows. Seek this out. Is it? Um, Got to just ask this because obviously you're recommending cool. it to me, so I need to find out some finer details before we disappear. Okay. Yeah. Before, so, I mean, yeah, be thorough, be thorough, yeah. Oh, well, exactly. So are we talking, <laughs> like, action-packed, or are we talking more mental thriller or gangster? or uh, what, Exactly. Yeah. It is a mob movie, a gangster movie like The Departed. So there is violence, but, you know, it just tends to be like a, you know, it's a, there is you know, the violence and there's death, but it just tends to be sort of gangster level, you know, mobster level. Think, I'd say, I can't think of a better comparison piece than The Departed, to be really honest, but I would definitely go with that. I'd say performances there by uh, Aaron Kwok and Tony Lung Chu, I think it's the Tony Lung Chu Wai? I think he's Lung Chu Wai. Um, uh, uh, they are great. They are absolutely brilliant in this. So I was gripped by that. And there is a wonderfully smarmy qu uh, quality to uh, to Aaron Kwok that does... You do tend to get that Leo and Damon kind of feeling out of them, you know, because obviously they're not doing that as, as hunks. They're playing that... For, it's a Scorsese, but they were playing that for grit. You get that yeah. here as well. Yeah. Okay. No, I like the sound of that. You know that if it's a really good movie, I will be... Mm dragged in even if it does have subtitles because squid game is the only subtitle movie i've ever watched from start to finish and love yeah, that's not a and movie I'm... that's a show isn't it squid games uh oh it was is a, a series, show it's a series. Yeah, you're right. it's a series yeah see that's how much i enjoyed it in my head it was just a really <laughs> big movie but actually it was. it was such an involving story it was that was a big movie to me yeah yeah i totally forgot that it was a series but obviously i'm looking forward to the next squid game which uh is coming out soon as well but anyway mm. back to what we're talking about where the wind blows um it's in cinemas from today i'm guessing not all cinemas uh, no, because like, being a subtitled movie tends to tends to put uh, to get it swept into uh, art house cinemas more than anything anyway. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I think this is also available on digital. But like I say, absolutely worth seeking out though. Search for it. It is called mm. Where the Wind Blows. Okay, so next week let's talk about some of the great movies we've got to look forward to. Um, the one I'm looking forward to hearing you talk about next week is The Exorcist Believer. I know, right? I can't believe we've got a rebootquel to The Exorcist, mm. like a, a rebootquel slash legacy sequel. Because 
I think with this one, they're following the template of what they did with Halloween. You know, in 2018 when we got Halloween, but it was effectively Halloween 2. Yeah. And it sort of ignored all the other sequels and just brought Jamie Lee Curtis back. Um, here you've got a similar setup with The Exorcist, where uh, you're just getting a sequel to the original 1970s, you know, you know, first one. Kind of ignores the sequels and just says, okay, what happens if they have to bring the, the older, the Ellen Burstyn character back, you know, decades later because she's now the expert? You know, and I, I like this idea. I'm looking forward to it. The tra- I mean, people really were queuing up to smack talk the trailer, but I actually thought it looked pretty good. Well, I'm looking forward to hearing what you think of that one because uh, that's on my uh, on my radar. Uh, we're also going to look at is it Golda? I've not heard about this one. Golda, New Helen Mirren movie. Yeah, I know. I've got Ooh. this to watch. Looking looking forward to that. Give me a bit of old Dame Helen. Oh, I love Dame Helen. Uh, yeah. We've also got uh, the Great Escaper and the Burial next week. And and I got put in the most bizarre position yesterday where I was in Soho screening rooms watching this movie and. Uh, I awkwardly had to sit right behind the director. He just showed up because he hadn't seen the movie in a while. And he, he, how, he said, how often do you get to watch a, you know, your own movie at Soho Screening Rooms? I think this is maybe a, I think it's his second movie. It's called Mindset. And it's a black and white, you know, contemporary British kitchen sink drama, for lack of a better term, about this this couple's relationship. Um, it's it's, it's going to be interesting. It's, it's going to be interesting to discuss that one, I think. But it's a, made quite awkward. By you know the director being sat like diagonally <laughs> opposite me, and at, at, one, at one point you know just out of exhaustion, not reflection of the film, I did start to think, can I, can I get away with having a kit for a minute? I don't want to offend him, you know. Uh, one of those. <laughs> it's a bit like going on a date with their parents sat there watching. Yeah, you. it would be like that. Yeah, it would, it would be exactly like that. I got to behave. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, brilliant. All right. Well, all of those to talk about next week. Uh, But for this week, I'm afraid that is all we've got time for. Until next week, I've been Adam Ball. And I've been Van Connor, and we shall return.